And welcome into the Empire Dynasty League podcast. Thursday, the 28th of December, Championship Round, baby. I'm your host, Ben, with a full cast tonight, joined by my co-host, Christopher Keane. How you doing? Oh, here we are, boys. Grand final weekend. Finally, the three of us are back on. Hot, it's uh, bloody good to see you. For those at home, he's gracing our presence with a lovely flamingo-type setup. He's just played a nice round down at Waterford Valley, I believe, and real eye-opening setup you got going on there. How are you, Hot? I am flying high as the Red Rockets is what this polo is. Great member of the Red Rockets, and we prevailed once again today, Mm. Matt Sheehan and I. So, very good to be back here, boys. It was a good sesh last week. I listened in. Bit of uh, hubris going on with that guest we had, but... um, (laughs) Yeah, it was uh, nice to hear your voice, Keeney, after your health battles. Oh, it's been a long couple of weeks, mate. As I said last week, got to the chemist and got myself sorted. But what were what were your thoughts on the man that we just don't hear from for 95% of the year and then he decides to pop into your slot on the podcast when he's just won a, won a final and just sitting in the prelim? What were your thoughts on his performance? Well, let's just iron this out. He didn't decide anything. I decided I couldn't make it, and then he was a replacement. But I did uh, did stroll around the golf course with Papa today, and he was very vocal about Jake Pantis, uh, just about how he knows everything and his two rings mean he can say anything about fantasy and talk into the future, and maybe we'll have a bit more about that in this episode, about how accurate his fortune telling was a couple of things that i took away from that is i'd be alarmed hod that jake was popping into your slot first of all and uh secondly mm. it surprises me that papa had something to say he doesn't strike me as the kind of bloke who would have strong opinions about things it's it's funny though isn't it how this stupid game we play works there is a world scooter where if a couple of things go a bit differently mckissick you know not Hamlin not dying on the field. Not he even could be a zero ring champ. Not even champ. that. Go back to his first matchup, his first playoff matchup, and look at the score between him and Matt. It's ridiculous. He one by a point. One by less than a point, I think it was, and he scored absolutely shizen, and the bloke goes on to win a ring. So it's a fine line between uh, greatness and being mediocre. So he's just happened to be on that side of it a few times. I think the bloke would flip a coin and have it land on heads four times in a row and just be convinced that he's the headmaster. Now, I don't know why Jake <laughs> took the 16. What are you laughing at? Just... That stupid dad joke. I'm just writing it down. <laughs> oh, I'm, I actually missed it. Um, But I do need to iron out. He's taken the 16 messages over four years very personally. All we're getting at here is he is a very, very funny man. And I think it's just a lost opportunity that he's had some success and he feels like he's above the rest of the league to talk to us. I would like it to be the opposite. Uh, I don't care how many rings he's had. I just want him involved in our chat because he is a very funny man and it was part of the reason I thought he'd be a great inclusion into this league. And 
All he's doing is winning and not talking, and it's shit. That's well, fair takeaway. Yeah. yeah, it is a fair takeaway, and I, I was one that actually believed that as soon as he cut his ponytail off, he would have started arcing up a bit more. But alas, here we are. <laughs> That's very true, actually. He lost everything when he got that haircut. Was the his gift of the gab was in the ponytail? Was it? It gave yep. him more confidence, I think. I don't know. Fair enough. Well, speaking of confidence, we've got a bloke sitting here in the oh. wings who's probably as confident as anyone right now, and uh, we better answer the door. It's probably the worst kept secret for a uh, guest here, but we have got the one half of the finalists in the Empire Bowl 4 championship game. Welcome to the podcast, Michael Cummins. How you doing? Gentlemen, listeners, fellow members of the league, what a week it is. Wow. What a, to be here. What a guy. I've, there's rumours circling that he's actually sitting next to the dog on the tucker box in Gundagai as we speak. <laughs> it's just a short trip to yay McDonald's where he can munch into an El Maco. Where are you actually joining us from, Camo? Um, I am joining you from home, from Melbourne. Oh. Um, yeah. Was down at the beach today, and there was a uh, major storm, and the towers were out, so there was no internet down there. Um, so I had to get in the car and make the trip back. Just to, for uh, the podcast, I love the dedication. That's it. Yeah, you correct. Know I, you know, I actually thought you just said there was a storm and the towels were out. I thought you just had washing on the line. You needed to <laughs> oh, no. attend yeah, I've got, to. I've got to get back home and get those towels that are on the line. <laughs> Now, now in, the, in the country, they refer to the internet as towers, so I was just uh, living the country life. It's good. good. Now, amongst all of that, come up, I still don't know where you are, but what I'm looking at here, and I need to describe for the listeners, is it's a spitting image of when the DFF was in that crime scene out in Lakes Entrance. Do we remember that room <laughs> that he broadcasted <laughs> from? It's a dungeon. Cinder block walls. This is scary, Camo. I I need you full, fully firing for this week. I can't have you in any danger. Well, just blink once if you're if you're in any danger, <laughs> mate, just so we can help you. Out. No, I'm all good, guys. I'm all good. Just in the quietest room in the house. <laughs> oh Jesus. Um. Well, I'll, I also just quickly, Keeney, want to touch on your geography of Victoria. Um, mm. all over the shop in yeah. where you think Camo is at the moment. But that aside, let's uh, we'll jump into some news, Camo, because I think a, a fair bit of it affects you. Every newsman in this city is laughing at us, and I don't like it. Probably the biggest uh, bit of news kicked off this morning uh, when a report came through about... Old Russ Wilson here just getting benched for this week and uh, pretty much going to not play another snap for the Broncos. So um, what were your instant thoughts on this one, Camo? Absolute disaster. Um, I don't want to sound arrogant, but I must admit, I did check out the schedule at the start of the season. and My eyes lit up when I saw in championship week that Russ and the Broncos would be facing the uh, that defense of the Chargers. I already I had that penned in as start Russ, and um, no matter how bad he played all season, I still had the hope that come championship week, 
he was going to score big. And the rug's been pulled out from underneath me in the cruelest of ways this week. So tough times. Not well, ideal. Keeney, can you talk to this? Because your old man, not your old man, but you know what I mean, Sean Payton, he, he's been a little off this year. And he's doing some odd things. And just the handling of this is quite fascinating. And we've seen a couple of tweets going around about Russ's stats. Their record's not that bad. His stats are on par, if not better, than Patrick Mahomes. Yet there's been tension uh, from day one. And yes, Russ is a bit questionable in the, the way he goes about things. But... Um, he hasn't been that bad yet. Here we are, and like Camo says, it is come out of left field, or has it? What What is your view on it with Sean Payton? Um, yeah, I sort of I, I wouldn't say I predicted it at the start of the year, but I, there was always this rumor circling that Sean Payton was going to go in there and and basically say I can't win with Russell Wilson and on sixty million bucks a year, and basically he goes in there and and sort of dumps his salary as soon as possible to sort of refresh and restart. Um, so they didn't have many picks. They've got shocking contracts everywhere. But this this one in particular has been building a bit because it's, it's similar to the Derek Carr one last year and the G- Jimmy Garoppolo one this year where they've got injury clauses where if they get injured um, and don't play a certain amount of snaps, they get guaranteed money the following year. So this is a clear-cut decision for mine. Um, they're going to rest him for the next two weeks and then cut him. I think that's that's pretty clear. Um, otherwise, they'd just keep playing him if they had any confidence that he'd be starting next year. So, I think it's it's a massive dead cap, um, dead money number for next year. But I think all signs are leading towards uh, Russ being cut and a and a free agency candidate. Who who would the free agency candidate be? Just is there who is actually floating around or potentially out of contract at the end of the year? Because it's one thing to say that, yeah, we're going to save this $37 million by not hitting this injury clause, but their team's not really in a position where they're going to be drafting a QB. So free agency is their go-to. Who is out there that is better than Russell Wilson right now? And I, I don't know. I don't know if there is one, but I, I just think, you know, maybe they roll with Stidham next year. There's been rumours circling around Colin Sutton and Jerry Judy trading those guys. There's, there's rumours circling at the trade deadline. They were going to trade everyone under the sun. Um, I think this team wants to rebuild and they don't want to rebuild with, with Wilson at QB. So maybe it's next year where they just plummet and get a QB in next year's draft. I don't know. But I don't think they want him on the books anymore. And, you know, can you see him going to like an Atlanta or somewhere like that? I don't know. I, I think you could. Um so he'll be an interesting name to follow throughout the offseason this year. But unfortunately for you, Camo, you, he's been doing pretty well for fantasy, as Hod alluded to. Like he put up a 23, a little bit of it in junk time, but pretty solid sort of 15 to 19 range before that, the last five or six weeks, and a pretty dependable sort of QB to throw into your super flex um, that you would have definitely done this week. So unfortunately for the next for this week, um, you won't be able to do that. So luckily for you, though, we do have other options. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's been QB9 on the season, I think, mm. um, which is surprising. But it's the classic case of real NFL outweighing fantasy NFL. Like, all season, his job was kind of, it was pretty risky. Um, and that's why, you know, I had to bring in a third quarterback. 
for a case like this where um, he did lose the job eventually. But, yeah, the timing's just not ideal because uh, he would have been very handy this week. Yeah, they didn't um, want to Jared wait. Jared could put up points. They didn't want to wait one more week for you? I know. One more, for sure. Would have helped. Selfish by old cat bum lips, Sean Payton. <laughs> um, so if they were to release him, this is the, the sunk cost, if you will, for the Broncos. $124 million in salary, $35.5 million dead cap next year, almost $50 million the following year dead cap. Noah Fant, Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, 22 first, 22 second, 22 fifth, 23rd first, 23rd, sorry, 23 second. It's a fuckload for a bloke who went 11 and 19. Um, you'd almost, I mean, this this is a good reminder, I guess, to everyone in this league as well that, you know, sometimes you make a deal that, that doesn't work out and there's no point maybe just trying to hang on to salvage what it is that you put into that deal and maybe just cutting ties and moving on is, is actually the right thing to do as hard as that is from a human psychology point of view to do in the moment. I'm not talking to anyone specifically, Keeney. I know you got a little smirk on your face when I said that, but there's a few people that just by human nature, when you jump into a deal, you go, well, fuck, I need to get some level of return of what I invested on that. But it's not always going to be the way. I think just to round this out and, and push on a little bit, but I think we did talk about it with Sean Payton coming in, being hired to turn around Russell Wilson after last season. So it is interesting to see your point of view there, Keeney, that this sounds like they're giving him the license to stick around with a rebuild, which is probably not how we saw it from the beginning. So it'll be an interesting one to watch. Yeah, and without <clears throat> without going on too much about it, I think he's come in and sort of there was a lot of sort of outside noise with Russ, like he had his own personal QB coach or whatever fitness coach. He's Sean Payton's come in, doesn't put up with any of that shit, and you can see he fucking gets stuck into him in the sidelines. And I just don't think he's he rates him too highly, and he's just he's the one on big dollars, and um, he's sort of running the show there. So I just think that's what it is, and he's gone. I uh, just to <laughs> one last thing. I'm not a huge fan of Russell Wilson, the person, in terms of what he puts out into the world in social media and everything. He might be a very nice guy behind closed doors, but I think he's trying to put out a particular persona that just rubs me the wrong way. And when he rocks up to a new team in his own fucking jersey, day <laughs> one, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of funny to look at this is where you've got to in two years and Mr. Unlimited and... You know, let's ride. Let's ride. There's a lot of memes out there of like, this is the ride, and it's just a fucking roller coaster stuck upside down. And yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe you should just pair back that persona, old Russ, and go back to what he was in Seattle. Just mm. not, not particularly a superstar, but just getting the job done and, and being a team player. But we'll move on to another bit of injury news here, or just some injury news for you. Come on, another devastating one just basically on the cusp of the final here, and that's Hawkinson tearing his ACL and MCL. Um, done for the season. Not that that's a long way to go at this point, but more importantly, he was a pretty crucial player in your starting lineup and someone who was, I think he was tied in three before he went down with the injury or tied in two, he was somewhere around that mark. Um, he's been hovering in that top three all year. He's had a fantastic season, even with... Um, Cousins going out. So huge loss for you there, and, and that's got to be another bit of pill to swallow. Yeah, it wasn't ideal timing uh, for Hawk to go down injured, and my opponent last week had the only two 
receivers out there that uh, could function. So they were peppered with targets while Hawk was uh, quickly ruled out. So not good. And obviously a setback not being able to start in this week. But uh, hopefully the big fella recovers and can help the Demons out in 2024. Well, yeah, well, I, I suppose the good news is that well, if there's if there's any good news, it's the recovery rates seemingly of these kind of injuries are now resident doctor will be able to speak to it a bit more than me, but um, they seem to be able to recover it pretty quickly. Like it wouldn't be, wouldn't be too long ago where we thought, well, he's out for next year too, but I don't think that'll be the case for him. He should make a reasonably quick recovery hod and, um, and contribute next year for the demons. Yeah. It's getting a bit, bit long in the season. Um, I don't know how much impact, but tight end, I think, is a position that you can get back relatively soon and at least impact in the blocking space. He's not a blocking tight end by any nature, but he's not the worst either. So he and fantasy is about being out there. So if he's blocking, he can still be involved. I'd, I'd predict probably mid-season um, to have an impact. And this is why a lot of the tight ends try and jump over defenders because if they don't, they cop a helmet straight to the knee. Yeah. Um, it was a. It would have been. I don't know if you're watching it, Camo. You, you, you're a man who doesn't watch many games, especially in finals week, as you were saying off off air. But um, if you saw it, you knew straight away it wasn't good. He copped a yeah helmet straight to the knee, and uh, it reminded me of uh, Chris Godwin a couple of years ago, where he had the exact same thing. Um, never good. Never mm. good. Well, it just shits me that this is what they're taught to do. They can't go near the head so that they blow out people's knees and ankles. It's yeah, it's not a good look at all. There's every single tackle that you watch, especially towards the end of the season, you just hope that they get up without a limp or without any sort of ailment afterwards because the amount of people that get their ankles rolled up on, like you said, Hod, and it's from sometimes their own linemen falling on top of them and it's uh, yeah, it's not not fun to watch, especially the the helmet to the knees. It's a gross. Nick Chubb's one at the start of the year was a pretty gross one, and Oof. there's been from a tight end position, Gronk copped it all the time because no one could take the bloke down, yeah. so they just took out his knees. And it's a pretty fucked up way to try and bring someone to the ground. Surprised that there hasn't been some form of a rule. They seem if it was a QB, they they bring out a rule, you know, within yep. minutes after it happening. But every other position, it's just play on. I think it was just one QB that they did that for. Well, that's true. Thomas. The golden child. Uh, injury on my side there, Pacheco in concussion protocol. That was um, was a comical one in one aspect. He got his helmet flown off. He got copped a knee to the head. That wasn't the funny side. I don't know if anyone saw. Went over to the sideline, had a bit of a stunned look on his face and went to sit on the um, the, what do you call it? The massage table. Stretcher bed. Yeah, and the whole thing just collapsed in on itself as he sat on <laughs> Looked like something that could have been on Funniest Home Videos with some sound effects over the top. You should be uh, careful. The massage table and the NFL are not two <laughs> things that go hand in hand. hand. That's in why hand. Deshaun's probably injured a lot of the time and in the blue tent. But um, Keeney. Oh, no, I was going to say I saw it. I, I legitimately... Thought it was funnier than Home Alone Three, so <laughs> there you go. That's a shocking call from you, Hod. <laughs> it really isn't. Oh fuck! I listened to you dribble last week about that. Just what about how you picked a movie that didn't fit the criteria? I haven't um, I haven't worked out my reply for this just yet, but I will. 
I will come back <laughs> armed because we've got a better top three to get through tonight. I can't explain that. This, yeah, it's got very similar, very similar tones to that, doesn't it, Keeney? Before we do move on to our top three, a couple more things here. And, and Hodge, you brought this up before Camo jumped on to chat. So this is going to be a sort of something for you to digest in the moment as well, Camo, along with all of our listeners. And that's the Bryce Young, DJ Moore trade that went down earlier this year and a bit of a sliding doors moment, Hod. Yeah, so Papa actually brought this to my attention mm. today, as he often does, um, with some good material for the pod. But like the trade in itself was fascinating at the time, but then now we have a live look at it. And this week, Camo being in the championship game, you brought in Bryce Young, who is now going to feature for you given the Russell Wilson benching and you shipped off DJ Moore, who's going out with a concussion. So this could be, depending on how the matchup goes, a pretty big swing in your favour. You're feeling a bit chuffed there, mate? Yeah, I can't say I forecast um, DJ Moore being out in Championship Week, but uh, I did forecast I'd likely need Bryce Young at some stage this season. So... Very happy with how he went last week and keen to see how he goes again this week against uh, Jacksonville. Well, yeah, and that's and we'll get to the game later on, obviously, but it could be a bit of a little bit of a blessing. Who knows? Because it was the first game all year where he's looked half competent. So he put up a 22 and there's a world where he puts up more than what Russ would have anyway, mate. But as, yeah, it is an interesting sliding doors moment. The other thing is you got uh, Thais's third round pick on top of that and that's uh, ended up being not terrible either. So... All in all, a pretty interesting trade to look back on. Yep, one of many, one of many interesting one, trades along <laughs> the journey. One of many QBs that has graced <laughs> this year, mate. That is true. We um we did speak on the podcast last week about how many players from the starting the startup draft are still on the roster. You're down to zero, I believe, because yes, Tyrod Taylor yeah, was for a while. the last one hanging on by he a was. thread, and he's on Jake's he roster was. now. He'd be handy this week too. Yeah, he should have kept him, mate. What what were you doing? Idiot. No idea. Hindsight. <laughs> what a fool. You know who would have? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there he goes. What are, are we? Twenty minutes? Yeah. He lasted. I'm trying not. I'm not going to bring up his name on this podcast because he gets too much airtime for a bloke that does absolutely nothing. It's um, Championship Week. It is Championship Week. Just before, like, talk about Championship Week. This is. Just the the starting QB situation in the NFL right now. I'm going to run you through a few names here. It's week 17 of the NFL season, and these players hold some form of fantasy value for teams that are still around. Trevor Simeon, Joe Flacco, Bailey Zappi, Taylor Heineke, Gardner Minshew, Mason Rudolph, Easton Stick, Jake Browning, Jacoby Brissett, Terod Taylor, and Jarrett Stidham. 11 QBs out of the 32. That's the sort of shit. And it probably speaks to how Jake was able to band-aid up a bit of a glaring need once Cousins went down when the uh, season of injuries at QB and also just benchings and all sorts of other rotations at that QB position. It's kind of fucking crazy when you boil it down to that odd. So how much of that shit show does Manny own? Yeah, because he's got about 16 QBs, doesn't he? I don't but think he has. Only, I don't think he has, he has Zappy. Is the he's only got one Zappy. of those. Who's got Simeon? Does anyone have Simeon? I don't know off the top of my head. I know Jim's got Flacco. He's got Zappy. 
Jake's got Heineke. Matt's got Minshew. Camo, you just picked up Rudolph today. No one's got Simeon. Uh, Tim's a stick man. Jake Browning is Scoot. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett's no. DFF. Terod Taylor's Jake. And Stidham is Jim. So out of all of those, Manny's just missed the boat on all 11 or 10 yeah. out of the 11. That's a kind ch- of remarkable. A cheeky little Mason Rudolph waiver inclusion tonight. Camo, was it? Yes, that was today. Um, mm. Just with uh, Hawk going on IR, I had a had a throw at the stumps. Mm. Interesting. The plot thickens. And one that so- I genuinely considered trying to block for you yesterday, but I just didn't want to drop anyone that's enough to, to block it. <laughs> to, yeah, that's the, the burden that I have. It's just tough too gig, many. Tough gig, Ben. <laughs> Imagine a world. Lived. Imagine a world where we didn't have a trade deadline and I could offer you George oh. Pickens for the ultimate stack camo. Geez, they looked good last week. Wowee. He sure made up for his non-blocking abilities the week before, didn't he? Don't get, don't get points for that. Don't do it. That's true. He just didn't want to get his ankle broken, um, I think was his quote. Uh, do we want to talk about the trade deadline now? Because, I mean, we don't want to go on too long about it, but Keeney, you've been sort of posing the question to a few people. Um, so maybe let's, uh, let's just do five minutes of discussion on the pod now. No, well, I think it is a a very interesting topic that you could talk about for a while. And to be honest, um, you know, as we're trying to do different things for this league and trying to make the league fresh and get everyone involved and keep activity pretty high, we, I've been thinking about um, a trade deadline and whether we need one. And, you know, it's certainly, it's up for discussion and I think it's a really good discussion to have. Um, my sort of view on it is that for a trade to go down, you need to two trade partners that agree on something as it gets point to the pointy end that you could argue that you're probably paying a bit more of overs to get something in. Um, but it certainly would make this week very interesting. Now, whether you look at the worst case scenario and whether you think, well, a team can then buy their way to a championship, that's probably the, the question and discussion. And I mean, you do need to have assets to be able to sell to, to be able to do that. Um, but a good one this week, Camo, is, is yourself with TJ Hawkinson and even Russell Wilson, both of whom won't be playing this week. Is is there would there be an appetite for you to go after a tight end um, if you if you were able to do so? What what are your thoughts on this topic? Well, it would surprise absolutely no one to hear that I would uh, be a big fan of being able to make a trade this week. Um, but I do understand the reason for the uh, trade deadline being in place. Um, I would find it handy this week to as you said um it doesn't have to be blockbuster trades there can be smaller trades that can can help in the final week as well so i would be all for the trade deadline um being removed so that we could make a few moves this week um even last week and the week before during playoffs there were instances where a couple of trades could have gone down so i definitely think it's a, a good topic to discuss amongst the amongst the league yeah and see i probably sit right now on the other side of it. Um, and I like, I'm in two minds because I actually see that there's a lot of positives for removing a trade deadline. And like you said, Keeney, it gets league involvement just instantly up because teams that don't have anything to play for right now suddenly have invested interest watching the teams that are remaining, putting trades out there. I guess like at the back of my mind, the only thing that is just sitting there is what could this snowball into? 
Um, and could we get to a point where two teams make the final and it just becomes an all-out fucking bidding war for the two teams that are remaining? And maybe one team has genuine need and they, they get trades done. But what if two teams go in, they don't have a genuine need to trade, but then it just becomes a bit of, well, I've got to get in just before the other team potentially gets in. And, uh, and I just... I'd hate to think that someone would buy their way to a championship because their mentality is is just one game, you know, whatever about the future. If I just win this one game, it will all be worth it. Now, there's risk involved in that, but I think there's more risk when the trade deadline ends at the end of the regular season because you've got potentially two, if not three weeks to try and get through. So you're trying to get all your, your ducks in a row there. But that's just, I'm probably going more from an extreme, extremist point of view and looking at where it could end up. Um and that's where my hesitation lies because I, I do see the positives to it. I just, I'm a little bit hesitant. I think the hesitation lies in your bum hole, Ben, because when you're sitting pretty at the top, it's a much nicer position where you're at now where Camo can't make massive swings and you can sleep a little easier at night. But this, this like we said, this could go on uh, uh, for a while and I think we'll invest a bit of the off-season in this topic with the league. Um, and Keeney, you don't have to start a sentence with, to be honest, we expect your honesty and nothing less. Thank you. The other, the other point with the no trade deadline, I reckon is worth talking about is just, um, like in a lot of sports, it's all a lot of, a lot about equalization and trying to make sure that the shit teams don't stay down the bottom for too long. And Mm. is this a platform for, you know, teams that are bottoming out that have older assets that have a great window, maybe it's a two-week window where they can sell one of their older players to a contender where in once the trade deadline opens up again and the grand final's over, that, that value of that player has plummeted. And you could argue, well, that's their fault for not trading them earlier. But does it give them an opportunity to get overs and therefore be able to get into the draft earlier, work their way back up the league quicker? These are all things that I'm thinking about as we're going along. And on yeah, and to the flip side of that as well, like what if someone just literally sells any emerging potential talent on their list for aging starters that maybe only have this season, you know, as their shelf life, and then really puts themselves into a hole? Um, I'll go to Jim's team just as a quick example. In that last year, he made the final. Uh, he had some aging players. He had some young players. Like if he went and went all in on last year's final, could he potentially have just had? like an ultra aging list. I'm only using him as an example because I think his list was old on the older side last year going into the final. If he made it even older, how how long does it take you to, to recover from that? But probably to your point, Keeney, you, um, you could do it by the other teams that make the final the following year maybe. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's an interesting. I think we'll just we'll we'll leave it there. But it's an interesting discussion, as you said, Hod, for the for the off season to work through. And I'd like I'm, I'm interested in everyone's opinion on this. Um, you know, we'll, we'll make a call on it. But um, I think it's really good to weigh up the the pros and cons and and look at sort of the worst case scenario and whether it sits right with anyone, whether people have real strong objections against it. And it's always hard, I think, as to Hod's point, when you when you're in the final and you can see how it would impact you yourself i think that's that's really hard to sort of remove yourself away from that at times um and you know, when you're in the situation yeah. of camo or, or even me in week one where i lose cube I've, I've got no qbs to play you know I, it'd be interesting if someone came to me with a qb that sort of thing when you're in that situation yourself you start to think about oh, this would be a really interesting idea but 
Um, anyway, I think we leave it there and, and we move on, but um, certainly a topic we'll um, explore a bit further. For sure. Absolutely. I think that's where discussion is good as well, Keeney, because you get every single possible point of view and not just one. And I also think that's where this league is, is just absolutely kicking goals because we're not sitting on our hands. We are looking at how can we make things better and not just going, oh, well, if it worked this year, let's just keep rolling with the next year. You just always got to be looking at how you can evolve. Uh, and speaking of, like this podcast has evolved, hasn't it, over the course of this year. And one segment that just keeps just the listeners coming back in droves and we've probably dragged it out too long. Um, I know that my wife wouldn't have listened half an hour of us talking about fucking NFL actual news here to get to the top three, but I'll just tell her to skip to the 32-minute mark because that's we're going to embark on another top three. Keeney, you came to us th- tonight with this one. What's the one you're thinking of? Well, it's fitting that our man Hod is back because the Brazilian nut was the thing that started all this, the... Uh... The saltiness, the bitterness, and the uh, extra size of the Brazilian nut really got this thing going. But our top three tonight is, has a real nostalgic feel to it. And I want some uh, audience participation, if we can, via the messenger, Jake. Um, milk bar ice creams. I like it. We've all been to the milk bar as a kid and, and picked out, opened up the, the screen that yeah. slides across and... Stuck your hand in and grabbed what you Counted up the shrapnel in your hand to see if you have enough Correct. to purchase it. You need about fifteen dollars now say, to purchase any. Used to be a dollar eighty. Now we're <laughs> now we're talking seven bucks. But um, I think I think uh, I think that's where we're going to go tonight. So who wants to? Are we going three, two, one here or? Yeah, let's go three, two, one. I think right. Hod. What were you going to? Sh- jump oh, in it's with? just it, it's kind of rude that where we don't have another guest on. And we do try and limit this man's airtime, but the DFF. Oh, he does love. Single handedly kept a milk bar in Wheeler's Hill open for the best part of 30 years. He had a tab (laughs) and he'd stroll up there six times a day. So I'm sure an ice cream would have featured in some of those visits. So we'll have to get him on at some stage and. Get back to this top three, but uh, who's you? You kick us off, Keeney. It's your topic. Uh, okay, I will kick us off. Number three for me is a, a real traditional sort of setup, but I'm going the paddle pop rainbow. <laughs> number three for mine. I love Hod's not happy with it, ladies and gentlemen. Can gents, I but, uh, give us your reasons? And I got a I got a genuine question for you after it. Well, it's just a simple, easy go to that that hits the mark every time. There's no it's that's that's as simple as that. So, out of all the paddle pop flavors, what makes you yep. lean in towards rainbow? Well, the rainbow is actually a caramel. Oh, because that was going to be my question. Just eat caramel at that point. It's a ca- it's a caramel. You just um, going for a bit of flair. Well, it's a caramel, but they just don't call it caramel. So, they I have would next a, go. Don't they have a caramel? Do they? I'm pretty they sure did, they do. Like for uh, briefly, it was the light blue one. Oh, okay. I love they it. They just I don't love want it. caramel to be brown, apparently. Right. I don't mind a banana paddle pop. Yeah, banana is banana is good. Yeah. There you go. Okay. All paddle pops and Nesquik. There's I reckon there's a correlation there. Mm. Those flavors are very similar. Yep. The strawberries, bananas, caramel. Um, I'll jump in with my number three here. And Hod, you spoke about the old milk bar on Petronella, and that's where a lot of my nostalgic thoughts are going to. Uh, going to the same primary school as old Stephanos. Used to feature there after and school, and Keeney. That's right. And hung. Uh, there's a few uh, <laughs> Fuck. 
few people. And Maya, they're in the other league, but that's all right. Um, this one is purely nostalgia, and it's probably not one that I would go to these days often, but I wouldn't be mad if I got one, and that's the Bubble O Bill. Oh, I fucking knew you were going to say that. Just absolute nostalgia as a kid. That was the one that you, you had the shitty, hard fucking bubblegum nose <laughs> that lost its flavour in about 10 seconds, <laughs> had the chocolate on the back. The eyes never seemed to like match up with where the eyes should be on the character. They were sort of like lopsided. But uh, you just didn't know it was a bit of a mystery. You didn't know what you were going to get with it, Hod. The Bubble O Bill is still bigger than you right now. How did you eat that as a kid? <laughs> Mate, I always knew that you uh, often thought about my size, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> I was wondering who was going to roll the Bubble O Bill. It was, it's a, it was definitely an honourable mention for mine. It was Well, that's why it gets the more, third spot. It was the excitement of... You just thought, you felt like you were winning something by getting the the bubble gum was shocking, but you felt like you were getting a bit of bonus. Yep. on top. Yeah, it was so it, different it to it any last, other ice cream. It lasted after the ice cream was gone. Absolutely, yeah. for uh, ten uh, seconds. Getting a what? A bonus. <laughs> a bonus. <laughs> Come out! I'm going to bring us home. So, jump in with your three. My three. I uh, don't know if it counts, but it would definitely be frosty fruits tropical. Um, I'm not a not a big dessert person. It's got to be said. So uh, late rig, something like that. I believe you were saying off air before that most of the topics of the top threes are just not up your alley because you're an elite athlete. The chocolates, the chips, and now ice <laughs> creams. You got Macca's. no idea. Yeah, Macca's was the only one I frequent out of uh, the top threes so far. So I was. Spewing, I wasn't on that week. All right. Well, All right. Uh, maybe we should ask the guest for their top three rather than throw it on them. I, you just um, brought up a point. I want to maybe go back and change mine to splice. That was a good, mm. that was a good number three. You got That's a bit same. of both yeah, there. No. Sorry. Icy Poles, Icy Poles feature. Um, yeah, no problem. But I'm going to stick with the creams. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. He's lost it. No. Number three. Settle down. I've got the Magnum Ego. Now, there is, there, there is a flavor there. You brought it up, Keeney, with your rainbows. Caramel. I like to call it caramel. Uh, but just you can the way you could eat it, you could just break down one layer, then lick the caramel, break down another, get to the cream. Wowie. Oh, gets, it gets me up and about the Magnum Ego. I'm, I'm basing off... Mine and Keeney's response to your number three there that you might have snagged our number two yeah. spot. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Number two, Magnum Ego for Keeney. There it is. Fuck. How it's good must my to, top uh, two be? Yeah, I know. They must be bloody good. But you're right. It's the layering. It's a bit like a Smarty for mine. You can take the shell <laughs> off and you've still got a bit to work with. How good are Smarties that they're not even featuring in your gob tonight? You've got the Christmas M&Ms. Well, you know. Keep uh, keep them competitive. Get well, good body guessing. Mine was the Magnum Ego at number two, but I can't uh, be just I can't be as boring as that and just have the same number two. So I'm going to pivot here to the uh, the Milo um, oh, cup. cup. Do you remember that thing? <laughs> that yeah. was the fucking bomb. Got the little yeah. plastic shovel thing that went with it, but uh, yeah, that was bloody good. Surely that features for you, Camo, being an athlete. The Milo's got a bit of protein about it, a bit of calcium, high calcium, I think, high yeah. calcium grade. No, Extra not ribo in my wheelhouse. Ribo flavor. Not in my wheelhouse. 
Oh, come on. Fun fact about the Milo Cup is I used to frequently entertain a Milo Cup at halftime of the footy when the D's were 59 points down. Oh, no. Oh, Often no. I would just roll into a Milo Cup just to drown the uh, sorrows at halftime. So it's more Two of buckets a, of hot chips for me. It's more of a it's got a negative sort yeah. of uh, memory shoot, attached shoot. to it. It does. Fair enough. Camo, what's your number two? My number two is going back to the Magnum Well. It's the Magnum Almond. Ooh, just the nice little n- nutty bits. Always <laughs> good. Yeah. <laughs> imagine imagine Magnum had a Magnum Brazilian. Oh. oh. Odd. Um, now I will no I will revisit the uh, the paddle pop, but I will bring up the best flavour there is, and it is the banana. Mm. You can't beat it. Uh, chocolate close second, I reckon. Mm. But uh, yeah, the banana paddle pop for me at number two. Very, very good. I love a good paddle pop. I'm glad to see it's in someone else's top three as well. That brings us to the number one and. Pod, there isn't an ice cream called Daylight, but this one is Daylight <laughs> to second for mine. Uh, it is a golden gay time. Oh, yeah. It sits clearly at number one. There's there's no competition here. It's too good. There's just everything about it is outstanding. Do we have a unanimous, the first unanimous number one here? Doesn't sound like it. No. Uh, nah, not for me. Unfortunately, the uh, Magnum Ego was my number one. Oh, wow. Ooh. So, Magnum Ego, unanimous in everyone's top three there. Oh, uh, gay Time is uh, it's an outstanding choice there, Keeney. It Thank is you. in my honourable mention. I couldn't find a spot in the top three. The pivot to um, the Milo Cup just beat it out there. <laughs> but mine, is a cl- mine was a clear number one, and it's probably... I don't think there'd be many people that would... Being the same boat as me, but it's a maxi bon. Ah, oh, there we go. The maxi bon at number one because you get a bit of both. You get the almost the gay time style on one half, and then you get the ice cream sandwich on the other half. But I'm going to go an extra nostalgia bonus here, and my number one pick is not the maxi bon. It's the maxi bon risk. And if anyone can cast <laughs> their mind back to the late '90s uh, turn of the millennium, maxi bon risk came out. And that was just basically plain packaging with Maxi Von Risk on it. And you just had to roll the dice. You could have got the strawberry flavor. You could have got the peppermint flavor. You could have got the honeycomb flavor or the chocolate flavor or the original. I think there were five that you could have ended up with. And you just had to take the risk. And mate, go into that Petronella uh, milk bar after school on a Friday and just taking the risk and see of all your mates, who got which flavour and who got stuck with peppermint and who got stuck with the shittier flavours. Uh, that was the Maxi Bon risk. Just get one extra points for just the gambling aspect, I think, <laughs> that's yeah. clearly fueled the rest of my that, life. Yeah, that's outrageous. I was going to say, if you didn't say Maxi bon, I was going to say I'm surprised that it's not featuring in someone's top three here, but... I just Googled Maxibon Risk because I wasn't quite familiar with what you were talking about. And the first thing I see is Bert Newton promoting it. He's wearing a bowling <laughs> he's wearing a bowling kit with a bowling ball in his hand, his right hand, and in his left hand there's a Maxibon Risk. And he says, Thrills, dangers, mystery, I can't get enough risk <laughs> is the slogan. And this little semi-slogan is burnt off more than you can chew. Fantastic. So we might have to put that up on the 
EDL Instagram yeah. because it is an amazing promotion. Keeney, can I get you to say Maxi Bon one more time? <laughs> Maxi Bon. <laughs> There's a little bit Maxi Bon in that one. There's no lispage. There's a bit of a lispage. Um, yeah. Well, there's no surprise anymore. Keeney, you nailed it on the head. Uh, the Golden Gay Time is the best ice cream of all time. And I'm sure it's no surprise to the viewers here. I'm sitting here in a bright pink flamingo shirt that this is my top choice. And Papa's probably sitting there going, there, there's no surprise because I've put away a few gays in my time. That's what he would be saying. <laughs> but I've put away that many gay times in my life. I've gone from hooving one down in 10 seconds because it's just such a soft chew. You can inhale it. I have gone three minutes. I've gone 20 and I've eaten every little bit of honeycomb crunch in one one little mouthful like Mayer's style. So I am well positioned here to say that this is the number one of all time. Well, Cannot be beaten. Oh my God. I'm glad you found your words there. The The other thing is they've turned it into an ice cream tub setup as well. You can get the Golden Gay Time flavoured ice cream, which is also outstanding. Got the little honeycomb bits in there. Yes. Uh, a great setup, Hot. I'm, I'm with you. First time we've ever agreed on something, I reckon. Yep. I don't know how we can move on to football. I know. Should we just end the pod? Yeah, that's. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. I think we <laughs> <laughs> No, let's. Uh, we good luck, boys. After that, we uh, we do need to. I'm mindful of the time here. We got to get through some reviews here. Let's move forward amicably. First of all, you throwing too many big words at me. Okay, now because I don't understand them, I'm gonna take them as disrespect. Watch your mouth. And our first game to review here is yourself, Camo, the San Diego Demons, one sixty one point zero six, defeating the Sensible Haircuts, one forty point three zero. I can see a round of applause from one person on this podcast here. And Hod, why are you giving such a round of applause? Oh, because I just, I really did enjoy having Manny on the pod, but he just speaks a lot of dribble when it comes to the Sunny w- Wiener, the Sunny Junior <laughs> <laughs> Division. That's about that right. Could be, the old Wiener Division. name change right there. Don't worry, uh, about, lisp. Don't worry about having a lisp. Lispage. Sort out that. Yeah, got, got gay time on his phone. <laughs> uh, no, but it, it's just very rewarding that, um, you know, there's there's four of us here and half are representing the grand final, seeing Manny ship off from the greatest division in world sports. So that's why you're seeing me, uh, seeing my applause there, Ben. But why don't you run us through the game and what transpired? Uh, well, probably the the top talking point was how the, the game kicked off, and that was the late out for Hunter Henry, um, which without this without this trading during the playoffs there, it resulted in Manny having to roll out Tanner Hudson for, I think, like a 2.7 or something pretty disappointing, uh, and that kicked off his first position there. So Hunter Henry had been on a pretty good run, even in that shitty offense um, the last couple of weeks, so... That was uh, that was a bit of a backward step, but you still won by 21 points. So I don't know if that was going to be the straw that broke the camel's back there for this matchup, but it definitely definitely made Manny start on the back foot. Uh, you could also argue that your tight end went out with an injury, as we mentioned before, and that therefore resulted in 
KJ Osborne having a stupid amount of targets to that bloke. And he put up a stu- – I haven't got it in front of me here, but Kenny, you do. The score that uh, KJ Osborne put up in the end. 18. Uh, five catches, 95 yards and a touchdown. I was going to actually ask you about this guy, Camo, and I can't remember if you were watching the Vikings game. You did somehow know that Hawkinson was out and so was Addison, so you knew that the uh, two Vikings players that Manny had were getting peppered with targets. But – for mine, I don't know where your mind goes, but when my when I see KJ Osborne scoring 18, I sort of think to myself, wowee, this has got a real whiff about it and it might just not be my day. What, what was the mindset around KJ Osborne, who had to play because Sky Moore got injured, mind you, uh, who just rolled into the flex position for the first time in three years and rips out an 18? What were your thoughts? Oh, my thoughts were initially was where's miles sanders because when i went to bed the night before miles sanders was in the in that flex spot so when i uh logged in at 505 a.m the next day and saw osborne and got the start it's uh it's a sharp man Stephen. he well, knew something was up well i think manny must have listened to the pod because our resident know-it-all jake was mentioning that uh, Miles Sanders is no good and Chuba Hubbard has t- taken over that role in Carolina. So he might have had a quick Christmas Day listen at 3 a.m. That guy's a maniac, so who knows? And, uh, yeah, in goes KJ Os- Osborne. Uh, yeah, I mean, whether he listened to the pod and, and took Jake's negative words on board or not, or whether he just looked at the simple stats there of the – percentage of snaps that Miles Sanders has played this year, it's fucking atrocious. He had his buy in week seven after he missed a week. 18%, 25, 38, 46, 36, 32, 21, 27. And then this week he just continued that with a 36%. You're never going to get a good score out of a player statistically when they're putting up less than 40% of the snaps. Um, It's been an absolute disaster being picked up by the Panthers in the offseason. You'd think that when a team pays for a player in free agency, they have a plan of how to use them. Um, I don't know what went wrong, whether they got buyer's remorse after they (laughs) picked him up or because Tuba was still there when they picked him up. Um, Yeah, it's it's been a horrible season for him and that sort of lower-end running back has not panned out for many, that's fair to say. It's hard to believe that he's 26 and he went 206 in our starter. He was a second-year running back, I think, um, the year we started and with Philly, obviously, and his career has taken an interesting turn. He was involved in the, a few trades or one trade in this league. So, anyway, interesting to look back on. He's not worth a whole lot now. Well, it speaks two points for me. is just how productive Philly's running back room is and if you can get that lead back, which DeAndre Swift has shown is pretty valuable this season. So we'll see where he ends up. But I don't know if it's a Miles Sanders thing. That offense has just been atrocious from the start. And I think he's probably been a byproduct of that. And then who knows what's happened to get him in the doghouse. Uh, but I think with that contract going into that offseason, like, I, I don't think you can be faulted in Manny's case for... Uh, did he have him or did he acquire him after the Carolina... No, he, he acquired him in the Jamar Chase pick swap with Mark Andrews and all that with yeah. Thais. Yes, yeah, so a while ago. ago. So. Yeah, so no, I I, th- I don't think that's a Miles Sanders 
issue. Like, look look at how we're going this year with a few aging running backs, Mostert in particular. Um, Sanders is a talented back. I just think he's in the wrong situation and can rebound, uh, maybe not with Carolina though. And with that mm. comment, uh, a team who I said we wouldn't mention, he's probably going to hold on to his running backs for another six or seven years now. Cam Akers maybe being one of them. Um, we spoke on the Christmas Eve pod about the the players that had started this matchup, Camo. So we'll go on to a few that maybe that, that happened after that. And probably on both sides of it, we had what is arguably one of the greatest showdowns with wide receivers. And that was Justin Jefferson on Manny's side and CeeDee Lamb, who's having just an outstanding season on your team there. Um, pretty much a net... Uh, Never wash. Net wash or whatever you want to call it. One point advantage or point nine advantage to Manny there. But talk us through just your feelings towards CeeDee Lamb. Are you basically, if this guy gets you over the line in the final, are you buying as much CeeDee Lamb uh, merch as you can possibly get your hands on? Yeah, pretty much. Look, I never thought I'd say this about anyone um, on my fantasy roster, but I think he's untradeable. Hmm. That's a big call coming from yourself. I, I will admit that I was I was very shocked when Matty Mack traded him to you. I thought with what he had shown in his first, I think it was season or couple of seasons before you got him, um, he looked like an absolute star. And I know Matt was very worried about the potential drop-off, so he was trying to sell him at a high. But I think what we're starting to find is that if you get a talented wide receiver early, they are worth their weight in gold. Um, and this guy's only 24 years old. He's in his third, fourth season this year. Um, and he's the number two wide receiver on the season. And I can only see that staying, if not getting better for him in seasons to come. Yeah. he's Well, I think he's clearly sort of like a top three or four wide receiver in Dynasty, you'd think. Um, I think he's probably behind Chase and Jefferson, but not too far behind and... Confirmed that Camo is a non-vegetarian after those statements, but um, there wasn't a whole lot between the two of you, was there? Really, it was sort of it's almost like you edged him out in each position. You won by twenty, obviously ten players. It's almost like you you won each position by two, and that sort of was the final margin. You both both teams had pretty solid weeks. Like if you're Manny with the injuries he's had to rip a one forty, you go well one forty that might get it done this week. Who knows? But it didn't because you put up 160, which is always nice to do in freeling week. So I'm sort of looking through your your players and it's just probably solid contributions from everyone really outside of sort of Hawkinson that got injured, Jerry Judy, who I'll talk about a bit later, um, and Joe Mixon. Everyone else sort of did their part. Yeah, for sure. I think heading into the matchup, it really was just the running backs where I was most concerned. Um, Manny had uh, Karen Williams and uh, Elvin Kamara. Um, and I had Najee and Joe Mixon. So, yeah, I thought that was where the potential was for Manny to get sort of 10 or 20 points up on me there. And so when we came out basically square from in that spot, in those spots, I thought I probably had the edge in a couple of other areas. So uh, that that was kind of the, my main concern heading into it. But, uh, yeah, that just uh, got a couple of touchdowns from players that don't often score, such as Najee, which was handy. And... The rest took care of itself. Now, though, as it stood, basically, you and Manny were square on points. You had Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith to go. He had Zay Flowers to go. Um, but I'm sure you listened to the pod and, and did Jake's words of negativity towards Philly and, and 
the score that Jalen and Devonte could put up, did that get inside your head at all? Absolutely not. Absolutely not at all. Like, Jalen Hurts scores fantasy points for fun. Like, the blokes played terrible all year, and he still just racks up 20 to 25 every week. Like, that's the least least of my concerns is uh, Philly having a drop-off. Well, you yeah. know that and when I... they get within, you know, five yards that he's getting a, a rushing touchdown pretty much every time. And I think um, I mentioned on the pod last week, like if Flowers is within 20, I think you, you've got a game on. It turns out he was, you know, you're 40 in front. But how did you feel? How many targets did he have in the uh, first half come on? Say Flowers, by the way. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. As you blokes know, I don't watch a lot of the games, but I try and keep track of the score after each each uh, little time, each round of games goes through. And I saw that I was up by 40 with Zay Flowers left, and that was it. And I thought, seriously, if the bloke that the Chargers overlooked, who has taken one spot before me in the EDL draft, comes out and rips a 40 against me to knock me out, I would have been filthy. So, yeah, I didn't watch the game, but I uh, did get a notification at halftime. He'd had 13 targets in the first half, and I did not know what he'd scored from those 13 targets. I just knew he'd already beaten his season high in targets by halftime, and I just thought, this is classic Manny. If this is going to happen to anyone, it would be Manny. 13, 13 targets could have been could have been on 20 at halftime easily. Exactly right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, yeah, fantasy, never easy. Ben, as we'll get to in your game, never easy to put away a team in prelim week, I don't think. No, absolutely not. And we'll, uh, we might move on to the other game before. Yep. I'm just mindful yeah. of the time here, but uh, the Park sure, City Lions, 181.46, defeating OJ's legal team, 148.8. And that might seem pretty one-sided when you look at that. Certainly didn't feel that way on the uh, Boxing Day morning watching that Chiefs game. Um, yeah, I think the, he had, he had Zeke and Saquon to go when we were pretty much level. This was on Christmas day and I had the three chiefs and the the three 49ers to go. So there, it's going to be a pretty crazy world where things don't go in your favor when that's what you're looking at. Zeke, of course, pulls out, you know, a sub just under 20 points. Um, good start for him. Then, I woke up nice and early on uh, Boxing Day to watch the Chiefs just absolutely fucking stink it up. And that was, I have no doubt that no one bothered to get up at 5am probably other than me to watch this game. It was arguably one of the worst games of football I've ever watched. Um, The Raiders go on and win and that's basically off 13 points or 12 or 13 points off defensive plays. And they were back to back and I've got a little fun fact for you here because if you didn't see it um basically it went the chiefs went to do some little trickery play back in deep into their territory they fuck up the handoff um the raiders pick it up run into the end zone chiefs get the ball back again and then mahomes throws a pick six um but i saw a tweet out there that just said they they gave it some different names and i might roll with these names right now it said the chiefs just gave up a fart Fumble and return for touchdown. <laughs> and a taint, touchdown after interception, back-to-back. The first ever fart and taint back-to-back. And I'm <laughs> going to roll with those uh, that terminology. Pick six. I just don't think it tells you as much as taint. So from now no. on, I'm going to refer to them purely as taints. Well, do you know another fun fact about that game, Ben? And that is that the Vegas Raiders won 20-14 to 14 
and their last completed pass was in the first quarter. Mm. That's that's hard to do. It it is Kansas City. It was uh, pretty much Kansas City just playing themselves into a loss there. And um, of my three players, Pacheco, he thankfully got a touchdown before he went out with that concussion. Um, but that was about it in terms of explosiveness. Kelsey made a couple of catches early and then didn't do an awful lot afterwards. And then Mahomes threw his picks and I think a late touchdown. But fucking, oh, that's right. Rasheed Rice was on Jake's side. I forgot to mention him. Yeah. Uh, seemed to be the only person to to make any sort of positive plays for the Chiefs there. Kenny. Do you know a, um, another fun fact, Ben and Hod and Camo, because you're on, is that we once did a segment, um, which we haven't done for a while, but it was normally Hod's crystal balls. And <clears throat> the, the preface of Hod's crystal balls was that, you know, it forecasts something. And let's be honest, Hod, 19 times out of 20, it was bang on the money. And the other time that it wasn't, we just didn't mention it. But <laughs> we entered into Jake's crystal balls last week, the man that has extreme levels of confidence with or without a ponytail. And this was the way he summed up what he thought would happen in the Browns-Houston game on the weekend. I don't think the Cooper and Flacco built like this great rapport. And if your if your sort of premonition is right that the Ravens versus 49th game is going to be a shootout, I think you'd be silly not to have as many eggs in that basket as possible, wouldn't you? Well, Jake. Now, Jake. Now, Jake. Now, Jake. You lost by 33. And that connection between Amari Cooper and Joe Flacco netted Ben a big 46-burger. So leave the crystal balls to us, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, it was very nice watching on the Monday games. Um, that was a Monday, or was that the Sunday? Who cares? I'm getting but- confused. But yeah, fuck. I basically woke up to no, it was the Monday. I woke up to an alert within seconds that he ripped off a 50 yard catch um, after that game started, and then it just went uphill from there. So he had an absolute field day. Got the Browns receiving single game record. Flacco just kept heaving it downfield and I was loving every second of the highlights that kept flashing up from that Browns game. Is there anything better than that sleeper notification, the little ding, and then you see the capital letters now, other than a golden gay time, of course, but it's such a good feeling <laughs> Yeah, getting that little it's, ding. And on the flip like- side, if you choose to maybe just sleep in a little bit for those 5am games and you've got a few players playing and you wake up to basically no notifications... There's probably no worse feeling to go, fuck, it's half worse. time and I'm probably on about 10 points right now. It's about as good as watching Homeland 3, I reckon, <laughs> um, getting those notifications. It's right up there. But weren't you saying, Ben, that it was the ninth highest score in our league from uh, the individual player? Is that right? From I, think he's, I think he is in the seventh spot for seventh. highest score since we've started this league. So... Um, What's his name? Christian McCaffrey for you last week in your flex spot. You said you needed something big out of him, and he gave you the ninth biggest score of all time. He's now been bumped down to number 10 with Amari's score of 46. So, so, so Amari did that in the prelim week, and then the Alvin Kamara six touchdowns, which I assume is number one. Yep. That was in grand final week, wasn't it? It was, and Timos so, didn't make the final. I think he got knocked out just the week before and would have right. been a shoe-in to win it if he had made it. Oh, and Jack. that's... 
that's why Papa keeps complaining because he had Drew Brees who scored three or something and that's the Saints right. put up 50 points. Yeah, because it was all and rushing. He lost, and he lost to Jake. Great times. Well, speaking of uh, on Jake's side here, I know we talk crystal ball. What hurt him a lot here was the, the Addison injury early. He had an ankle injury, went out of the game pretty early on, only had the one catch for two yards. Um, I guess you could say... You know, it sort of evened out from his 26 that he put up against you last week, Keeney, which was a bit of an outlier of a score. But it's never fun to um, watch one of your players exit early. If they put up a stinker and they play the full game, fair enough. But if they leave by injury, it's a bit shit to sort of just sit there and watch that low score continue to tick on. Um, that certainly... You, yeah, go. I was going to say, I'll tell you what would have been frustrating. I'm trying to put myself in your shoes, but... Nick Mullins throwing for 411 yards, and he was dead set horrific. He was dead set horrific. His four interceptions were shocking. His four interceptions the- should have been about fucking eight interceptions if he didn't have someone like Justin <coughs> Jefferson on his team. If you saw the touchdown yeah. throw that he put in the back of the end zone, he basically fell over and just fucking went, oh, I'm going to throw it up in the air, and Jefferson plucked it from the sky. And then he threw another one that was about three defenders on top of Jefferson and Jefferson just made this bullshit catch. Like, the guy genuinely should have had six-plus interceptions, but he just uh, – probably what any of us would have done if you were in that position, you just throw to the most talented person and go, they'll make the fucking play for me. Hod? Uh, can you just clarify from the uh, tone of this conversation that you're happy to see Jake and Nick Mullins at the back of them? Absolutely. Mate, the, the guy put up his third-highest score for the year. He put up his highest score last week – Put up his third highest this week. It's ridiculous what well, he does with. Oh, and it started with the fucking Derek Carr junk time, which I spoke about on the last pod. But absolute garbage time touchdowns to just give him a nice twenty-four, his best score of the season. It's frustrating well, to play against him. You flagged it, mate, and he's the first person we see on the uh, calendar, January Jake. Before we flip <laughs> it over, he's the man. That calendar, game hunter. He loves this time of year. That calendar talk was very funny in the chat. But, Camo, uh, uh, a fun fact that you maybe dropped to me prior to last week's pod is that you, before this week, were the only person who had the title of knocking Jake off in a playoff game. So now the two finalists are the only two people in this league who have given the OJ's legal team a loss in the playoffs. So it's uh, an illustrious group that I've joined. It wasn't for us. It's <laughs> four rings of all That's the right. Is seven and seven and two in playoffs. Yep. Like it's insane. Yep. Absolutely insane. Like can't take that away from him. Peaks when it matters. Yep. Uh, now, Hod, you want to talk about the Evans trade before we move on? I'm very, very mindful we're at the post hour mark and we haven't even got to the game that's coming up this week so been an entertaining pod it has hey i'm not going to take away but uh i want people to continue to listen there's not much really more to talk about so i'll I'll take my time with this one but um (laughs) the mike evans trade that i just wanted to bring it up because i think you and camo have you know you're in the final for a reason and but you two go about things differently when it comes to trading or when you do. So I thought I'd bring it up, but just to revisit it, it was Mike Evans um, and Brian Robinson and Zach Moss um, and a third third rounder of some sort for a bunch of nobodies, basically, who I think it was. Well, they were, all the, they were all the players I was going to drop. 
is my, basically what yeah. the players. So ignore the players. Gats I was going to drop them. Tim just said send them my way anyway. Yeah, but so it's really for a 2026 first and second. So, and I'll get your thoughts on this come on a second, what you thought of it at the time, but in hindsight, as it always is, this was quite a handy trade you've pulled off here, Ben, because not only is Mike Evans sitting at wide receiver three and other than his 2012 or 13, his second season anyway, when he was the number one wide receiver, it's his best season yet. He leads the league in touchdowns. He's had over a thousand yards once again. But then you've got Zach Moss, who was very serviceable with Taylor out, and he's still ranked as a top 20 running back on the year. And also Brian Robinson, who's missed the last three games, and he is still ranked in the top 20 um, or, or RB2 at the very least. So you've had three very, very serviceable players in a title run. Uh, for only a 2026 first and second, it's you've got to be pretty happy with how that's played out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was a trade where obviously wide receiver depth was something that my team always needed. Um, rolling out just pretty much the Chiefs and the 49ers is always a risky sort of game to play. But he's a star player and he doesn't have many years left in comparison to some of the other players that get dealt in trades. But... I was still pretty hopeful that, you know, Baker Mayfield could have come in and he I didn't predict he was going to have the season he was going to have. I thought he might have had like Jameis Winston style, just sort of throw it at all costs, whether it's an interception or not. But that doesn't matter for Evans. If he makes the play, he makes the play. So I know that he's a he's a red zone beast. The amount of games that that guy's played where he's had maybe three catches for two touchdowns and five yards, like that stat line isn't an anomaly for him. So... The fact that he had the season he had was was awesome. Um, I think I got him in week three. So Timos had his first two weeks, scored pretty well, but was clearly looking to blow it up. And um, I guess this is to where your thinking's a bit different, Camo, but where my mindset was is that, um, yeah, I wanted to get in before potentially any of the other competitors got in before me. Um, so rather than sort of sit back and wait, there I was sort of eyeing off who who are the types of players I want to acquire with those draft picks. I wasn't going to sit on my 26 draft picks as the season went on, let's be honest. Um, and yeah, so I thought, well, it's probably not ideal timing if an injury goes down, but I was getting enough types of players that I, th- I would have been confident. Like, and Brian Robinson had a pretty awesome season um, in the end, and I was pretty confident that he was going to get more of the workload over Gibson this season, regardless of injury. What about you, Camo? Yeah, interesting. Um, at the time, I was not impressed with this trade for yourself, Ben. I thought uh, straight up, I thought Tim did very well here. Um, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty, and happy to admit that my initial take was wrong. My concerns at the time were you were buying... It was basically, I think it was your last first and second round picks pretty much. That you had, yeah, um, and you were buying into two what I predicted to be very low rate offenses in Tampa Bay and Washington. Um, and my concern was as well. I looked at it was week three, as you said, and I thought already at week three there was only sort of four, five, maybe six teams that were locked into playoffs, and you were one of them. So I didn't see the need for you to make a, a big play that early on in the year. Um, I know it probably might shock some people, but I do have a little bit of discipline, I feel like, when it comes to trading. Not much, but one thing I would do is 
hold back until towards the end of the season because I just think the risk was there for either Robinson or or um, Evans to get injured in week four or five. And you're then kind of done for the year as far as cap, draft capital to trade for, for major players um, to, to help you in the playoffs. Um, so that's why I thought it was very risky and potentially a trade I would have waited until later on in the year to do. However, you made a very good point earlier. Timos was clearly going to blow up the team. And if you didn't make that deal then, then Mike Evans could have ended up on Keeney, myself, Matty Mack, Manny's team um, against you this week. So at the end of the day, you won the trade. Yeah, I think I think not not receiving the injuries. And I mean, half of this game we play is luck um, when it comes to injuries. But that's definitely on your side there. But like you said, the... Pulling the trigger at that time, you're probably paying unders to what you would when you're likely pulling the trigger in week 13, Camo. So, uh, but That's anyway, I thought I thought it was worth bringing up because you two have differing opinions on it and are both representing uh, the uh, championship week. So, anyway, there we go. Yeah. yeah. It- just, I'll just quickly add one thing. It's I think it's interesting to look at a trade like this, and we all think, you know, Ben, you've done super out of it he's wide receiver three or whatever he is and he's helped you get to where you are um the other aspect i look at it is it's still a great trade for tim Mm -hmm. because he doesn't need him Mm. two weeks ago was he selling him for that price maybe like well having the same so like and having him on his roster is not helping him try and get high up in the draft lottery either if he's putting out the season like this for mine it's a perfect win-win both both parties are very very happy with the transaction um and uh yeah, no issues. The other the other thing is I'm looking at the wide receiver stats for this year. We'll move on in a sec, but the top out of the top twelve wide receivers, there's five of them that are twenty nine, thirty, or thirty one, which I think is really interesting. Like, mm. um, whilst it is a, it's great to have a um, a young superstar wide receiver that's has longevity. There's are these veterans that are producing year after year. Tyreek Hill number one, Mike Evans number three, Keenan Allen number six. Uh, Stefan Diggs, number 10, and Amari Cooper, number 12. So, you know, these veteran guys that just produce because they're the clear-cut number one in their offense, um, sort of the age factor for wide receiver for mine has always never been a huge issue. It is a running back, but at wide receiver, they can keep going and going and going. Yeah, as you guys said, this is a prime example of a win-win trade. So well done to both parties, and there should be more, more of it. More of it. That's it. So don't take a certain league member's advice on trading. Is that what you're saying, Camo? Our records speak for themselves, I suppose. <laughs> there should be more of it, Camo, during the finals. That's true. Speaking of, we uh, will move on to the Empire Bowl preview now. We're up to Empire Bowl IV. And for anyone who is able to count in the old Roman numerals, that is a four. One less than five is you'll do some maths when you work in Roman numerals here. But we're up to uh, four, and each time we jump on the pod and we do this every year, I try and sort of build the production value just to boost the uh, the excitement and the build-up to this. The games do kick off officially tomorrow, and uh, old Amari Cooper might feature, and I think Conklin might also feature. So there's one player on each side that could uh, feature tomorrow, but I'll, uh, I'll just get everyone pumped up with our Empire Bowl 4 preview. Probably should have hit the go button. Here we go.
12 teams began this season with the dream of being crowned the next Empire Dynasty League champion. After four months of battling through heartbreaking injuries and painstakingly trying to set the perfect lineup, we are finally down to two. From the sunny coast of California, the San Diego Demons are making their first Empire Bowl appearance. With their eyes as red as the devil's dick. They still haven't forgotten the agonizing defeat at the hands of the Lions that kept them out of the Empire Bowl two years ago. Lions are an ever-present danger. And from the blue-collar town of Park City, the Lions are returning to the Empire Bowl for their second time, hoping to go one step better than their last disappointing appearance. When these two teams faced off in Week 10, it was the Demons who had the last laugh with a commanding 40-point victory. Both saw off gallant semi-final opponents and have set the stage for the crowning of a new Empire Dynasty League champion. The San Diego Demons. San Diego. Which of course in German means a whale's vagina. Squaring off against the Park City Lions. You're talking about a lion. Lions eat guys like us. Which team will suffer only their third loss for the season? and which team will be left tasting the ultimate success, raising the Empire Bowl Championship. Who will capture the moment, and who will let it slide? And that is our preview, ladies and gentlemen, for Empire Bowl 4. Wow, That's incredible stuff. I, um, I could run through a brick wall right now. <laughs> Well, whenever you get Ace Ventura drops in there, that just gets me going. Incredible stuff, Ben. That, uh, I really hope people get to the hour and 70-minute mark or whatever <laughs> we're at with this pod because that is worth listening to. That might have to be cut up and put in the messenger chat just on yes. its own, I reckon. That is way too good for people not to hear. Yeah, well, they've got to sift through, what, an hour and 18 of us talking right now to get to that. But... Uh, I was trying to think of a different way to to boost it, but they always, in NFL playoffs, they love to tell a story and they love mm. to sort of build the uh, suspense up. So that was the story I was trying to tell in this matchup. And it is, it's uh, crowning a new champion, first and foremost. So that's always going to be exciting. Um, just to not see Jake potentially win another bloody ring in this league in only four years. But uh, Camo, just... Week 10, you absolutely decimated my team. And as much as we picked apart your strength of schedule, you quickly pointed out that the uh, the two people that were bringing that up that week, in Manny and myself, you managed to comfortably knock off. So, um, yeah, I think it, it builds even more drama for this matchup this week. Yeah, I've copped a fair bit on this pod. I uh, can't remember who it was, but someone pointed out that uh, when I played Ben the first time, I was lucky enough to face you when Mahomes and Kelsey weren't playing. So they were on by that week. There's Brody. Um, He's right there. There's Brody. Oh, Brody. Oh, do you want to speak to that? <laughs> Sonny Weaver Jr. Yeah. person said that. Yeah. I'm spewing it was Brody because I was about to pot whoever said that. But if it was Brody, I'll, I'll let it fly. But I just uh, had a quick look and I saw that Jalen Hurts and uh, Devonta Smith were actually on by that week as well, funnily enough. So some things even out. Yeah. No need to mention that. 
No, don't let facts get in a good way, in the in the way of a good story. Um, yeah, in, in terms of, I don't know if that was a good thing in hindsight, looking back at the way that Mahomes and Kelsey have been going, that uh, feared sort of duo has been absolutely lacklustre the past, well, the, the second half of this season. So there is uh, there's genuine doubt over whether to play Kelsey over Kittle in the starting tight end spot. Ooh. I can give you the red hot tip. Um, I don't think I'd I'd make that bold call, and I think based off what I said last week, that one thing I learned from last season is don't try and get too cute with your starting lineup and just put talent out there and let them do their thing, whether they disappoint or not. But um, yeah, he's he's been rather shit house. That's for well, sure. Um, no, he has, but yeah, hard to. In fact, ludicrous if you bench him. But um, be bold call. What bold a call. Um, what an unbelievable intro to this matchup, and it's great to have the two grand finalists on the podcast. So I think uh, Pod, if you're still with us, we'll start uh, throwing a few questions their way. And I just want to start off with I like a good roster sort of setup. The other thing I think is worth mentioning is twelve and uh, sorry, thirteen and two both of you this year. Um, and you played each other once. So an unbelievable year of wins. So you're both super deserving of being here. Um, I like to go through roster decisions. Ben, you sort of touched on uh, Kittle, and he did have a nice performance on the weekend. They do get the Washington Commanders shit defense. There has to be some temptation to squeeze him in somewhere. I don't know where it is. Maybe Pacheco misses. Yeah. I don't know, but is well, it really tempting just to roll as many Niners out who are coming off a loss who probably would like to put up a score against a horrible defense? Thoughts? Yeah, it absolutely is. It's one of those funny ones with like horrible defenses, though, because in the case of playing against tight ends, um, tight ends haven't put up great scores against Washington. Now, that might just be because they're so shit, all the points are going towards the wide receivers and possibly running backs. Um, so it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a full sort of data set to be looking through there. But I think the way it currently stands is where I've got my starting lineup is probably where it's at. Now, there's a few questionable tags next to players, so I'll be monitoring that pretty closely for that 5 a.m. start on Monday, and Kittle will inevitably be the piece that gets slotted in there if any of those players are to miss, and Pacheco is probably the most likely candidate of all of those players. Yep. Uh, noticed Hodcast, I noticed Hodcast really perked up there at the mention of tight ends. Didn't he? Didn't he just like just he almost left became, off the seat. He's, he almost went from slouching to erect camo. It was quite <laughs> astonishing to see. But um, the other thing that's worth noting with both of your lineups, I'm just looking through, not many on the IR. Quite a healthy looking set of lineups here outside of your Obviously, Hawkinson and uh, Wilson getting bent, so that's uh, definitely helpful. But come on, um, let's talk Bryce Young v. A sneaky waiver wire pickup today. And, yeah, there's got to be some inkling of a reason as to why he did it. I was surprised. I was actually thinking about him myself just, just to see where it goes. And Kenny Pickett is no sure thing in Pittsburgh next year. I'm convinced of that. Mason Rudolph, you know, first game. Looked good, had the connection with uh, Pickens as you as you touched on Hod, but put up a twenty. Um, is there without giving? Well, you can give away whatever you want to give away because I don't think it matters to be honest. But is there any sort of thought about 
maybe Mason. Money Mason getting the start. We've seen this in multiple finals where a random player gets the start and helps them win a ring. Is Mason Rudolph the next name on that list? Absolutely no chance. Um, <laughs> he was he was simply picked up for coverage in case Hurts uh, or Bryce Young something goes wrong in the next two to three days, which touch wood, hopefully it doesn't. Mate, we've had Braxton Berrios, we've had Jarek McKinnon, Could, Lev Bell, Mason Mason Rudolph fits nicely into that narrative. Use check, Cole Use check got a run. Tyler Conklin will be that man for me. Snozzle the snoz. Yeah, yeah, every chance. I, I I think for every Mason Rudolph twenty, there's a Tommy Cutlets absolute bench. stinker getting benched at halftime after a couple of weeks where defenses don't quite know how to play them. So Mason's had the uh, run at this before, and he's sort of shown what where his capabilities lie. He could, you know, what he could be a Geno Smith style investment there for you, Camo, and maybe seventeen years down the track, he might actually become a viable starter for you. This is the trash. It definitely is the week for these unheralded players. Can we just take a trip down memory lane for the three years of championships? And these are the names that have been rolled out there by the best in the league. So you did mention a couple there, Keeney, but you haven't touched all of them. Drew Locke played in a championship game. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my God. Rolled out of 14. That's not great for most, but for him, it's probably great. McKissick, 19. Leonard Fournette. Now, that's a name you think is, well, he was a gun back in the day. He wasn't the year that he played in a championship. Last year. And and he played, no, nah, it was, I think it was, no, this is 2020. Oh, this, this was when he was, was he on Jacksonville or first season at Tampa? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pulled up a 14. Playoff Lenny. In the, in that's that's where it all started. In that same game, Papa rolled out David Johnson in his first season in Houston, uh, which he wasn't much. Put up in place of Saquon twenty seven points, and then we go to the twenty twenty one, which is well documented. Braxton Berrios steps up for twenty one points, and then Ben, you played with King Henry out. Sony Michelle, who filled in quite ad- admirably with fourteen points. So this game churns out points for unheralded players. So mm-hmm. come o, have the confidence that whoever you put in that lineup can definitely pull on the boots and scare Ben a little bit while he has to tinker with his lineup. And we know that hasn't always fared too well for him in the past. Well, Hod, I've got to say it's a great segue because my next question to Camo is... If we do get an interestingly negative game script and a Jacoby Brissett QB start, do we see a Chris Rodriguez or an Antonio Gibson insertion here into the San Diego Demons? And for mine, Jerry Judy is the one that has to give way. He has been horrific. I think all three on the potty except for me have owned him at some point. He's just been no good. He puts up six every week. Like, is there a swing for the fences here with one of the Washington running backs? Jerry Judy is my swing for the fences this week. You can put him down for 100 yards and a touchdown. He's just never done that in his career, that's all. He did it this week last year against the Chargers. He'll do it again. Okay. No to the Washington... uh, Yeah, no to the Washington running backs. backs. Nope. It does... um, The Jerry Judy one 
there is a bit of fear in in what Camo's saying there because here they are just going, Wilson's not the future, Stidham, go out there. If he's got the Mullins-like mentality, he will just fucking toss it up to whoever's around. Now, it could be Cortland Sutton, but if you want to see what you've got in a young, talented receiver who hasn't really shown much chop in his first, what is it, three seasons, um, yeah, that's it's every chance to... Now, I don't know about... Don't know about a hundred yards, but definitely a touchdown and and a handful of uh, receptions could definitely go his way. Twenty you know, is not out of the question. Do you know how many touchdowns he's scored in his fifty-five games thus far, Camo? Three. Nah, it'd be more than that. eight. Eight. Yeah, ten. Ten in fifty-five games. He's had one this year. He's had one this year, but he'll put up a hundred and one this week. All right, stats man. Put go. It. <laughs> Put, it, put something in your mouth and shut up for a second. Because, Benny, yep. can I tempt you into benching who we see as the best quarterback in fantasy football? Because Ooh. Patrick Mahomes has been anything but this season. In the second half of this season, we're 16 weeks in, he's had one score above 20. So here are the numbers, 5, 15, 16, 20, 13, 13, 15, 16. Now, when you're coming up against a juggernaut like Camo here, that's not going to fill you with too much confidence. And then the four games against Cincinnati in the last three seasons, because they play each other a lot, he has two sub-20 scores with 19s and then a 220 scores. So he doesn't exactly set it on fire. I mean, they're solid, but doesn't set it on fire against Cincinnati even. And then you have Trevor, who, albeit battling a few injuries recently, has turned it on in the second half with scores of 30, I will be... But what's the facts and good story? But I will you're start... very fucking liberal in your windows that you're choosing here. We'll We're start going. with week 11 Yeah, why? Onwards. Why week 11? Why not 10? 32, 24, <laughs> 25, and then 17, 14, 9 the last three weeks when he's battled the ankle injury. But he's capable. <laughs> Is there Carolina. any so, tinkering? So you're, the narrative you're trying to play here is that Trevor is capable of a big score and Mahomes isn't. I think you buried the lead hot. He's playing Carolina. There's your, there's your selling point. Yeah, he's also uh, basically coming off half a game with going out for a shoulder injury. He's coming off an ankle injury the prior week. He's a roller coaster of scoring because Hod, before your window there, he scored a two when I had to start him one week with a bye. Um, Mahomes, as shit as he's been, his floor right now, he's had one five. That was abysmal. But a bad game for him has sort of been your 15 and 16. And I think that I put up 181 with him doing that last week. So if he is going to shit the bed by his standards, I'll just hope that other players that I'm starting uh, come to the table and, and he's not putting up, hopefully, you know, a sub-10, which would be pretty catastrophic at that position. Not ideal, but not catastrophic either. <laughs> oh, well, no matter what happens, we know Mahomes will blame someone else. So well, That's um, true. He's, he's uh, getting real snarky. At the refs are his teammates. He's unlikable. Yeah, he's not he's not winning too many uh impartial viewers over, is he? 
I just think the limelight's been taken off his wife in the box and we're focused on Swifty now. Uh, but I take that as a no, Ben. You will roll out Patrick. I will roll out. I'm, I'll, like I said before, I think I'm going to roll out my starting lineup that I've got here, uh, minus potentially a Pacheco out or something of that nature, and Kittle would be the obvious start there. Khalil Herbert had a nice little run last week, um, but there's no way you could have the confidence to guess what the Bears are going to do at running back because Roshan will probably have the bulk of the carries. Um, there, Look, if everything falls apart, between now and and those Monday games, there's some players I can plug in there, but I can't see there being an awful lot of change other than potentially Kittle going in. What about Adam Thielen just to block Bryce Young? Um, yeah, look, if it was earlier in the season, potentially, when he was getting his 13 targets or something stupid like that, he had eight last week, which was nice, but... Once again, he's not that far off coming off three targets for one catch and two yards. or what, Like it was a horrendous output. So you can't run the risk of a score like that going out there. When Camo's proven that he's putting up 160s, you need to try and not get too much in the headspace of blocking and all that. You've just got to try and put a lineup out there that's going to put up potentially 160 and more and hope for the best. <laughs> Before you ask, Keeney, no, I'm not starting Rashad Bateman to uh, block Lamar Jackson. All right. I think uh, I think these two fine gentlemen are confident in themselves. But Keeney, can we get a projection of the big dance? Who is winning and why? Um, I think, and this this might be obvious, but I think the Hawk injury might be a bit too much for mine. Um, I actually think this will be closer than maybe people think. I think Ben will win. I don't think it'll be that far off. I think Camo's still got enough there. There could be a few little tricky matchups for Ben, I see, apart from maybe the Niners and the Chiefs, which helps. But a couple other tricky-ish, like most, it's a little bit questionable against a good defense. Derek Henry, not sure what you're going to get. He's playing away. He is against Houston, who he's destroyed in recent times. I don't know. I just... And, and grand finals can do weird things. So I'll say I'll, I'll say the uh, Park City Lions will win for mine, but I think it'll be under 10 points would be my prediction. It'll be a nice little nail-biter for both players. And I also, before I get your prediction on, can I get a uh, update, Camo, on how you're going to go about watching these games? Is it stick to the plan, stick to the process, or are you actually – it's fuck, there's something on this, mate. This is, have you seen the ring? It's unbelievable. You've got to be watching the games go to woe here, don't you? Well, I'm uh, heading back to Sea Spray tomorrow morning, and there may not be internet, so oh, I may be uh, cast until next Thursday. I might look back in and find out what happened. Mate, come back and change the towels. <laughs> I'll get the um, – I'll steal an armoured truck and deliver it to – myself to you in sea spray camo because that's God. what's going to happen here we are going to have the best division in world sport uh deliver the greatest prize in world sport which is an edl ring and i don't, I don't really care how it's going to get done but it's going to get done and i'm seeing i'm seeing quite a number of green matchups we don't um Often, we don't go by them exactly, but it is nice to see a bit of green in there for Camo. But um, I think 
I just think it's the year of the uh, San Diego Demon Dicks. Isn't that what we we got a, got out of the voice recording, whatever that thing was? I'll uh, before you derail this too much here, Hod. I'll jump into your point there. Of there is a lot of green on Camo's side, which does scare the shit out of me. But also, it's the types of players that have these good matchups, and someone like CD and Alave, for example. That scares the absolute shit out of me. And I don't know if it's PTSD from the last time I made the final and Chase put up 50. Um, but CD Lamb, to me, has all the makings of a fucking insane game like that. The way that Dallas are struggling, um, good matchup. He's lighting it up. He's proving that he's the most talented person on that offense. And sure, their running game, if Keeney, you saw the Pollard attempted rushing touchdown where he got stuffed on the half a yard line when he had absolute daylight. That's not instilling confidence in that offense to go with anyone except CeeDee Lamb. And maybe Dak just watched a bit of Nick Mullins and went, if I just put it on top of this bloke's head, he's probably going to catch it nine times out of ten. Uh, and that scares the the hell out of me. So, I, yeah, and I'm not trying to moz or anything like that. I think projections are just... I had a good projection the last time I made one of these and my team absolutely stunk it up and it just anything can happen and it's all game script and it's all in the hands of the fantasy gods right now. Isn't it, Camo? Certainly is. I think, um, uh, yeah, no, I think there is just stars everywhere across these two lineups and Keeney has said that it's going to be a close one, maybe under 10 points. I probably agree. So I just think that emphasizes the Bryce Young game. If he can come out and get the 20 of last week, I think that'll put Camo on a great spot. Um, but if it's more like what we've seen most of the year and it's single digits or low teens, it might make it a little bit difficult. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back the young fella in. They might have found something last week to play with. And um, Jacksonville hasn't been lighting the world on fire on defense. So... It uh, should be a fun one. Should be a cracker, boys. Uh, yeah, I, I can't wait for this one, actually. It should be really good. Uh, let's just hope there's a, a clean run of injuries for both sides. You don't, you never want to see blokes going off after one quarter and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully you both get through it unscathed and uh, may the best team win, as they say. Thanks Sounds good very to much, guys. I uh, Yeah, I think if it's... If it's a high-scoring game, you can't be too disappointed with that. Um, I think the last few finals have had a bit of a mixed bag in results, and I don't know if they've been the closest. So, actually, no. Last year was extremely close, but I don't think the scoring was exceptionally high no, with the things that went down. To 90, so, you know, if if and to go back to the week that's just been like that was some four very decent scores in the semi-finals. So if it's sort of in that that range or that ballpark, it's going to be frustrating and tilting from my point of view, but it's also going to be exciting for everyone else. And I think ultimately that's what we want in this league. So Camo, I wish you all the best. Um, I hope you have a good game, but not a better game than me, if I'm being completely honest. And all this Sonny Weaver Jr. talk about the best division, I'll just let you know that there is a sneaky little Bo Callahan chat that just gets a fair run on my uh, messenger at the moment. So you talk about collegiality. We're all together at the Bo Callahan division, being friendly foes, but ultimately uh, wanting to see one of us get the ultimate success. So for all the Bo Callahan 
other division members. That's my job for you this week. And I'll be looking to get it done. Keeney. Uh, very good, uh, as we've touched on. Good luck to both of you this week. It should be an absolute cracker. I still want to know a couple of things. Firstly, what month we're going to see Papa getting pegged. And secondly, <laughs> what Tummo's prediction is, because I want to see if he's got some reverse Moz game in him. Tummo, who do you think is going to win? Uh, so I take a lot of confidence out of the Week 10 victory. I actually went back, had a quick look at the stats, and after Week 10, Ben and I were 5 all as far as who'd scored the most points each week. If we played head-to-head, we'd have been 5 all. Mm. Um, since that Week 10, where I managed to knock him off by about 40 points, I've had a look and he's outscored me six weeks in a row leading into the final. So, you know what that means. It means I'm due and it's <laughs> happening. <laughs> and Sonny Weaver Jr., we are collecting this trophy. It's happening, boys. That is, that is we. All I hear is we. We've been, we have oh. been talking about this division for three years. So, if you think you can come on on the last dance, Ben, and first time ever bring up your division collegiate whatever you want to call it. That is an absolute crock of shit. This is the tightest division in world sport and we will get this man home. Peeny, good to see you back. Good to see you sitting upright in your health. Ben, it's nice to see you wearing your slim shady beanie on the 28th day of summer. (laughs) That's been a pleasure to watch. And Camo, the man, the myth, the legend. You should have all the confidence in the world, mate. You are going to bring this home for the best division in world sport and up the San Diego Devil Dicks. (laughs) Fast. Over and out. (laughs)